Hello, and welcome to Tattered Tales. I'm Joe Wakefield, your tour guide on this exploration of fantastic anthology. Tonight's episode is out of this world. Literally, a mission to Mars throws a unsuspecting group of astronauts into a cosmic mystery that they may never solve. See if you can unravel the clues in Dark Matter. A cold night wind blew billows of dust across the desolate surface of Mars. On this surface, deep into the bowels of a large canyon, laid an unconscious Dwayne Pierce, commander of Romulus One, and the first manned mission to Mars. The ship was the crowning achievement of humanity's combined intellect and curiosity, but now was nothing more than torn pieces of metal and fiberglass scattered across the Martian landscape. Disoriented, he began to pull himself from the sand. However, he couldn't get himself free. He felt around his body, soon finding that he was still strapped to his seat. The seat, with him still strapped to it, must have been ripped right out of the command module on impact, he thought. He felt around some more until he found the buckle. He unlatched it and detached himself from the seat. Once free, he pulled himself from the sand and up to his feet. He flipped on the headlamp on his helmet. The white beam cut through the darkness. He scanned the area. All he could see was ripped and mangled pieces of the ship scattered all over. No sign of the other seven crew members. He took a moment to recompose himself and reflect on what had happened. The last thing he could remember was Marion Neverez, Romulus's system specialist reporting a breach in the rear fuselage. Then, shortly after, a concussion ripped the ship. He remembered everything whirling by him in a blur, hanging on for dear life as the ship plummeted to the planet's surface. And he blacked out. He turned on his comms. Hello, this is Commander Pierce of the Romulus One. Does anybody read me? Over. Hello? Anxious, Dwayne went through and checked each channel on his comm system but got no communication with Control or anybody else. A dreadful thought suddenly hit him. What if he was the only one left alive? Of course, that was just an assumption. If it was true, he'd need to find the habitat and find it quickly. However, the problem was he had no idea where it was or how far away he was from it. His portable navigation device on his suit used star charts for navigation on Mars. He searched his utility belt and pulled out the nav. Shit. Dwayne looked up at the glimmering sea of stars above him. They reminded him of when he was a child, and his father would take him to the rooftop on their East Harlem apartment to watch the night sky. The sky, with all of its vastness and mystery, used to calm him. But now all it did was make him feel alone. Okay, Dwayne. Thank you. The command module orbits about every 90 minutes. So, either I wait until it's in range, which can be at any moment, 
or this canyon's too deep for me to get any signal at all. And if the angle of orbit is less than 45 degrees, then the cliffs will block the signal completely anyway. Hmm. Dwayne checked his arm readout on his suit. Battery, 60%. He knew at that rate he'd only get five to six hours. He didn't have time to wait for a signal. If he was going to get to higher ground, then he needed to move now. Dwayne turned and looked out at the cliffs in the moonlit distance. He estimated they were about three or four kilometers away. If he walked fast, he could get to them in less than an hour. Well, here goes nothing. Dwayne had been walking for half an hour when he came upon a torn piece of metal sliding from the ship's crash. Urgently, he began to search around the area. He found more. Another. Like a trail of breadcrumbs, he followed them until he came upon a giant section of the ship's main fuselage. Dwayne turned on his comms and called out for somebody, anybody. Hello. Can anybody read me? Hello, hello. Nothing. Dwayne moved around the fuselage and found an exposed section that had been ripped open from the explosion. He climbed inside. He pushed his way through ripped paneling and exposed wires as he came up to one of the control stations. At the station was a body. My God. Dwayne approached. He could see the limp body of mission geologist Kai Murashida, still trapped in his chair. His helmet shattered and his face a bloody mess. Dwayne scanned what else was left of the fuselage but found nobody else. He searched Kai's suit, checking the power system. 63%. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sure you won't mind me borrowing this. As Dwayne removed Kai's battery, he heard a strange whispering coming from behind him. Hello? He turned, his headlamp cutting through the dark, but nothing was there, just silence. The whispers returned, coming from behind him again. This time, he saw something he couldn't quite believe. Kai's body was moving. It lurched up slowly, alive, but how could that be possible? Kai's eyes opened, but there was no pupils, just black holes. He reached out with one trying to grab a Dwayne. Dwayne stumbled backwards and fell to the floor. Dwayne looked on in horror as Kai's body suddenly began to char, as if being burned in some invisible fire. His mouth shot open and called out. (laughs) Within seconds, the rest of Kai's charred body began to crack and break and fall apart, the blackened ashes carried away by the wind, leaving nothing left. What the hell? The strange whispers continued, seeming to come from all around, getting closer and closer. On instinct, Dwayne pulled himself up to his feet and made a run for it. Dwayne emerged from the wreckage in haste, stumbling out into the dirt. He took a few steps back and waited. To his surprise, the whispers had not followed him. The images of what he had seen raced in his mind. Then he started to wonder if maybe what he had seen was just an illusion, his mind playing tricks on him. Yes, it must just be the stress of his current situation. 
As Duane continued to evaluate what had just happened, the sky suddenly lit up above him. He looked up and could see a red flare soaring through the air. It wasn't far, just over the berm a few meters away. A sudden surge of excitement overtook him as he realized that he wasn't the only one left alive. He brushed all of his thoughts away and took off towards the flare. The flare fizzled out by the time Duane had reached the top of the berm. He gazed out upon the dark canyon landscape. Where are they? He quickly switched on his comms. Hello? Does anybody read me? Hello? 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 Duane, is that you? Yes, Laura? A sudden wave of relief washed over him as the sound of mission navigator Laura Shelley's voice filled his ears. Thank God, I... Duane, hurry! Frank's gone mad! He's trying to kill me! (laughs) I need that battery, bitch! Duane's relief quickly faded to fear. I'm coming! Hold on! Another flare went off, lighting up the ground around him. He could see them now, two figures fighting a few meters in the distance. Wayne took off after them, running as fast as he could, trying to ignore Laura's screams over the comms. He made his way through the wreckage and came upon Laura, struggling to fight off pilot Frank Gargano, who was on top of her. Laura! Help! Frank, stop this! Dwayne kicked Frank, knocking him off Laura, sending him tumbling over into the dirt. As Frank pulled himself back up, he moved in front of Laura to defend her. Frank's maddened eyes instantly locked onto Kai's battery in Dwayne's hand. Give me that! Frank, just calm down, please! Frank charged Dwayne and tackled him to the ground. The two wrestled in the dirt, Frank trying to pry the battery from Dwayne's hands. Stop it, Frank. You've gone mad. I'm not mad. I'm surviving. Laura rushed to Wayne's side and kicked Frank off of him. Frank fell over, taking the battery with him. Come on. Laura helped Dwayne to his feet, and the two made a run for it. Dwayne and Laura had put a good distance between themselves and Frank when they reached a small impact crater. They slid down into it and hid, catching their breath. Are you okay? Yeah, thanks. He would have killed me. Me too. What happened? Everything before the crash is a blur. But when I had woken up, I didn't know exactly where to go or what to do. And there wasn't anybody around, so I just headed north. That's when I found the wreckage. And Frank. He seemed okay at first. We tried to figure out how we could locate the habitat and started to scavenge for anything useful and then all of a sudden his battery started malfunctioning. He freaked out and went crazy and tried to take my battery. Have you heard from anybody else over the comms? No, I tried for a while but didn't get anything. I figured either everyone was dead or I was too far away. You? I found Kai but he didn't make it. I don't know about anybody else. Laura didn't say anything. She didn't need to. The two sat in silence for a few moments as they collected themselves. We need to find the hub. Is your nav working? I couldn't get a signal on mine. Laura searched her gear but couldn't find it. Damn it. 
I must have dropped it back there when Frank attacked me. She thought hard for a moment, and something came to her. Hold on. I did take a look at one of the local files on my nav right when I woke up. Thought maybe it would help me locate where I was. Maybe... Shit. Why didn't I think of that? Dwayne pulled out his nav. He looked through the menu and checked the locally saved maps. Here's one. Last updated two days ago. How fast would the constellations move from our perspective? They should move about one degree every day on Earth. If you adjust by two degrees, Mars orbits slower than Earth, so it should still be pretty accurate. You're a genius. I know. He started inputting configuration settings. Then he pointed the camera on the nav up at the sky. The device took a few moments to sync the map data. There. The two examined their location. Laura pointed to an area on the screen with a yellow circle. So, we're southwest about 15 kilometers. That means we can get there in three hours, if we move fast. Hey, I'm a power walking master. Dwayne checked his battery readout. What's your battery at? 40%. We'll be cutting it real close. Then what are we waiting for? You left your comms on. You left your comms on. I couldn't hear you. Dwayne and Laura jumped to their feet. They turned and could see Frank descending the crater after them. Run! What? I'll catch up. Now go! Laura ran. She started her way up the other side of the crater as Dwayne braced himself for a fight. Frank slid and stopped at the bottom of the crater. He glared at Dwayne with crazed eyes. You guys were so stupid to leave your comms on. Frank, stop. We can all help each other out here. Give me your batteries. Only one of us is going to make it back. Dwayne dug his feet deep in the dirt. Frank wasn't going to be swayed. He was going to have to fight. Perhaps even kill. Give it to me! Frank charged at Dwayne. Dwayne charged at him. The two collided. Frank attempted to unplug Dwayne's battery from his suit. But Dwayne punched him in the stomach and tripped him, sending him into the ground. Dwayne tried to run, but Frank grabbed his foot and dragged him to the ground. Where do you think you're going? Dwayne struggled to pull away, but Frank jumped on top of him trying to pry his helmet off. It's either me or you! It's either me or you! Dwayne felt on the ground for something, anything he could use as a weapon. Frank was punching Dwayne's helmet, trying to break it. Dwayne frantically felt around. His hand found a baseball-sized rock. He gripped it tight and swapped, hitting the glass lens of Frank's helmet. Cracking it. Oh, shit! Shit! Dwayne pushed Frank off of him. Frank screamed out as he frantically fidgeted with his helmet, trying to cover the crack. No! Oh, my oxygen! Dwayne smashed the rock over Frank's helmet a second time, busting a large hole. Frank fell back onto the ground. Dwayne watched as his screams fell silent. Dwayne stood over him. His head was filled with mixed emotions. Frank was his friend. They had spent a lot of time together in training. They had shared stories of family and friends, almost everything about their lives. Then again, the fear of death can change a person. Why? It didn't have to be this way. Dwayne released the rock. It dropped like a heavy anchor onto the ground. 
As Dwayne turned to leave, he suddenly heard those ominous whispers again, the same ones he heard when he had found Kai. Dwayne looked on in horror as Frank's charred body broke apart into ashy pieces and were absorbed into the sand. He closed his eyes and tried wiping the image from his mind. This isn't real. This isn't real. It can't be happening. When he reopened his eyes, Frank was gone. And so were the strange whispers. Dwayne emerged from the crater thinking about what he had just done and what he had just seen. Was this real? He thought to himself. What about Laura? Was she even real? Dwayne bent down and grabbed a handful of sand. He opened his palm and let the sand slip through his fingers. The sand, the rocks, the whole damn world, was it even real? Dwayne, do you hear me? Dwayne? The sound of Laura's voice woke Dwayne from his thoughts. I'm here. Where are you? Dwayne looked around but could not see her. Oh, thank God. What about Frank? He's uh, dead. Well, hold on. Let me turn on my headlamp. I'm on a boulder. You see me? Dwayne looked out into the distance. He could see Laura's headlamp. Yeah, I see you. He took a few steps forward and then paused. Shit, the battery. Dwayne, don't worry about it. But... We can't waste any more time. She was right. But what would being right cost them? Dwayne put his thoughts behind him. He turned and made his way to Laura. They had been walking for over two hours. During that time, they had traversed sandy dunes, hills, valleys, and now had found themselves in a narrow pathway on the side of a steep cliff that led up to the top of the canyon. They were almost to the hub, but Laura was struggling to walk. She had fallen and twisted her ankle on a sandy dune a few meters back, and Duane had to carry her up on his shoulder. I'm sorry. I can't. Come on. You can't give up now. I can't. I can't. Yes, you can. Laura's leg shook violently and finally gave out. She fell to the ground. Duane attempted to get her back to her feet, but she refused. Just go on without me. I'm not leaving you here. Now come on! With all the strength he had left, Dwayne lifted Laura back up to her feet. Her life support alarm started to beep. She didn't have much time and neither did he. Come on, Laura. Walk with me. Stay with me. We've made it this far. I will not leave you. With a surge of desperation, he dragged Laura along. Let me go. Let me go. We're almost there, Laura. Stay with me. Laura? Laura? He shook her. Her limp body didn't move. Her life support alarm had stopped beeping. She was gone. His mind was swirling with emotions. They were all gone now. He was all that was left. The commander. He wasn't even worthy of that title, he thought to himself. He was supposed to keep his crew safe. And instead, he let them die. And now he was going to die. Dwayne laid Laura gently down on the ground. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. His life support alarm started to beep. He checked his readout one last time. 
oxygen levels weren't registering anymore. It was already getting harder to breathe. He had run out of time. Like a hunter on the prowl for its prey, the strange whispers had returned. It had followed him all this way. But why? How? The mere sound of it chilled him to the bone. What did it want? Dwayne looked over his shoulder. He could see pitch blackness rising over the cliff. He turned back towards the horizon. Dawn was approaching. For a moment, he decided he would just sit and accept his fate. But then, something caught his eye. In the distance, less than a kilometer away, was lights. It was the habitat. Dwayne suddenly felt a surge of hope. Maybe he could make it, or at least he had to try. He pulled himself to his feet, mustering all of the energy he had left and made one last run for it. He ran as fast as his legs would let him, kicking up dirt and rocks under his feet. He fought through the pain. Behind him, he could hear the whispers still after him, drawing ever closer. He was within a few meters of it now. He could see the white cylindrical buildings, the rover parked out front. He was almost there, but he was fading. Each breath felt as if he was drowning. His legs slowed to a labored stagger as he dragged himself along. He tripped over something and tumbled to the ground. He scrambled, trying to get back to his feet, but his legs were too weak. His eyes jumped in and out of focus. He felt around under him, grasping onto the object that he had tripped over. As his eyes regained focus, he realized that he was on top of a body that was face down in the dirt. Another astronaut. Confused, he slowly turned the body over. Within the helmet was a skeletal face decayed by years of isolation. When he looked down at the dead astronaut's name tag, the real terror struck him. Stitched into the suit, in dusty red lettering, was his own name. Dwayne fell backwards. The whispers right behind him. He was now surrounded on all sides by darkness. It blocked out the entire landscape, and he could no longer see the lights of the habitat. The whispers were loud, piercing. He wanted to run. His body was paralyzed. He suddenly felt a warm sensation throughout his whole body. He was burning up. He looked down at his gloved hands, could see them turning charcoal black before his very eyes. They cracked and broke away. A cold night wind blew billows of dust across the desolate surface of Mars. On this surface, deep in the bowels of a large canyon, laid an unconscious commander, Dwayne Pierce. He suddenly awoke, with no recollection of what had happened or what was about to happen, that his tragic death was stuck in limbo, to be replicated again and again, just as it always had been and always would be, for eternity. The End Written by Andrew Fortunato, featuring the vocal talents of Cody Allen as Dwayne Pierce, Jennifer Walls as Laura Shelley, Jesse Lee Pachinko as Frank Gagarno. Narrated by Lily Fisher, 
Produced by Lizzie Wakefield and Joe Wakefield. Directed by L.M. Fisher. Sound design by Luke Fisher. Tattered Tales is brought to you by Nagano Press Studios and Spooky Castle Productions. Thanks for listening. We love our listeners. <laughs>